Hi Jojo. Hiya. Hiya. Oh, it's like ages. Do you know what? We haven't recorded for a little while because we did Stephen Bartlett episode last oh, month. Oh, we did. How have you been? I've been good, thanks. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Um, when is it? Is it April? <laughs> it is April. It is. Do you know what didn't happen this year? Any April Fools. Oh. I'm very disappointed with. Like, what do you mean public ones or just generally? And generally, like I don't know of any at home. You didn't tell me about any. You're normally a fool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a fool. 365 days a year. Yeah. And I don't miss. I had one quite tame. I feel like there was a couple of um, like famous ones, like not famous, like public ones, wasn't there? But I can't remember what they were, so it's not a really great podcast episode to chat. <laughs> Moving swiftly on, Ejo, have you seen this news? <laughs> oh my goodness. That was smoother than your Easter egg. <laughs> Did you see this news about, so you know, Klarna and yeah. the like? Oh, if you go on to, I don't know, Topshop Everything. or something, yeah, and you try and buy something, there's like 15 different options mm-hmm. and you can like pay it 50 pence a week or you can pay yeah. it whatever. Um, I do enjoy Apple Pay just because I'm lazy and I don't want to have to go and get my card and stuff like that. And you can yeah. Click, click. Yeah, but that's you're still just paying, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, you pay yeah, you pay your bank account. Yeah. Not like all this spreading shenanigans. You go on and there'll be like five different options. All of like you, this one says you can pay fifty pence a week, or this one says you can do a <laughs> pound a week. <laughs> what are you buying from Topshop? What's that? <laughs> Um, but, so that's the thing, where they're offering those options now, the value that you can use it against is just like getting smaller and smaller and you can do it against nothing. Um, and you can even do it on your grocery shopping now, so you can like spread the cost of a pint of milk. No, you can't. <laughs> Absolutely. Really can't. I'll tell you what, my mum would be all over that, if you know, she could like but use you the internet. But you have to shop every week, so what do you do, pay mm. over the week? Or do you pay it over the month? Well, it's just like you no longer have to have money in your account anymore to pay for anything. And I just, I don't know it's like, the if it's a slippery slope. It's the consumerism, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even more um, immediate. Can you imagine the trouble my mum would have got into if she had all of these options? She got into enough trouble as it was. Yeah. Interesting, aren't they? Clan of banana. Mm. Um, sorry. <laughs> Let's go back to this because I just don't think, <laughs> don't think it's a thing <laughs> getting clan for a banana. <laughs> because I just don't understand why like you're putting the bunch up, isn't it? <laughs> it's like that time that you ordered one banana. I thinking it was a bunch and you just got one banana. <laughs> Didn't be last very long enough to share it. <laughs> and then I reversed Kim, it, didn't I? And then got right, right, I'm getting six bananas and not six bunches. Was like, yeah. Oh my god. I just get banana thwarted. Actually, coming from the financial services sector, um, a lot of these new um, fangled, these new fangled kids coming along with all of these new ideas, um, they're not as heavily regulated as what our stuff is. Yeah. So we have a very high level of regulation in the established parts of finance, certainly around the way that we deal with clients and whether we assess how vulnerable they are. And um, there's a lot of steps you need to follow whenever you're giving advice. Sometimes, you know, there's, we can go too far with tech. Mm. There just isn't that that level of care. It's, for example, you know, like even now on our phones, I laugh at your Instagram all the time because it comes up with a notification to say, you know, you've been on for too long, so, you know, time's up, knock it off. You've reached the limit, you just press ignore, so that's interesting. <laughs> um, but where's the support around it? Yeah, I think, well, and that's the thing with tech. So the Stephen Bartlett episode, the point that he made in terms of giving advice, he was like, if I'm on my phone already, I'm involved in the world of tech and I'm doing something, and then you come into my world, then I might engage with an advisor. But for his generation, they're absolutely expecting that all happens through technology. And I don't think that's a bad thing. But as you say, it's then, even if you could ever want to get all the tech in the world tomorrow, you physically can't get around the structure that's needed because of the regulation. And I'm not sure you should. No, no, In a lot of ways, yeah, yeah. You know, I think you should always have that human element. What do you think is the future of fintech? What do you think the potential is for it? So I did that um, newsletter recently, didn't I, on the wine investment, and mm-hmm. that's an app that you can do, and it's all tech. 
and you go online and it goes, how much have you got to invest? And it's a minimum of 10 grand. Lol. Yeah, so you put in 10 grand. And then it's like, what's your risk profile? So it sounds very much I'm like... I'm just thinking about your mum going £5 a day. <laughs> Go £5 a day, don't check the credit score. Like the Gandalf of credit. You shall not pass. Go on. So then it's like, what's your risk score? And you've got three levels to choose from. And then how long do you want to invest for? And it was three to seven years or seven years plus. That and then, sounds interesting. Um, and it looks like a regulated investment, like if you've gone into a pension or an ISA and it's got pretty pie chart and it's like, do, 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 do. here's the bottles of wine that you'll buy. I think that'll translate well. And it literally lists out the bottles of wine, the vintages and all of this. Do you want this wine portfolio? So I'd put in 25 grand as a play around and I put yes. And then it was like, like great, send us your money. And it was that. Mm-hmm. And it was 60 seconds. And it was a weird one because it, it mimicked like a regulated advice process. Mm-hmm. But only because I work in finance did I know that it's not. And that I can send them that 25 grand. And then tomorrow stuff could have happened to the wine or, mm-hmm. you know, they realised it had been a bad harvest that year or wine as a commodity drops. And I lose my money and there's nothing mm-hmm. at all around it. So just think in terms of the potential of fintech, on the one hand, it's nice that people are getting excited and they feel like they can get involved in investing and I was trying to think of some good examples of regulated tech that's helping so you know like AJ Bell mm-hmm. they're doing one and TP I think had one uh, but they're not exciting the exciting ones actually over on the unregulated side and like the free trade app that I've got I was gonna say yeah you hold your Robin Hood things and all of those oh, where they're making a free trade app as well by the way do you remember I did it as a little um experiment yeah I did. worst thing I ever did I know why. Which is a bit dramatic. I've done worse things than invest £100. I feel like you picked a share that I had something to do with and I can't remember what it was now. Which ones have got? Pension B, down 5%. Ouch. Podpoint. Oh, that was it. Yeah, I've got a podpoint. Down 6%. Aberdeen. 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 Down 19%. AJ Bell, (laughs) down 31%. And my favourite, the Hook Group, down 56%. What? Um, but, you, you know, again, you're looking at that. That might be just a, a general drop in the market. You know, you invest for a long time, not for a good time. But, yeah, look at that. You're engaging with it. You I know, am engaged. At least I know. You know, you're very aware of what's going on. Yeah. Right, so, you know, like, <laughs> inflation, quite topical at the minute. Flipping utilities, oh my God, like they have just, they are savage. So one of the things that came out in March was there was a criticism of, so inflation's measured by the change in the price of items within a basket of goods. Yeah, yeah. And there's criticisms around what that basket of goods included and whether or not actually represented current... Like an average Yeah, lifestyle. like an actual average. And if you change that basket of goods to be more around, I don't know, baked beans and like more mm-hmm. day-to-day stuff that people had, the cost of inflation would be even higher. Like actually the stuff that was yeah, being yeah. measured was like skewing it into making it seem... I've noticed, I go shopping, I can't get it under three figures. I can't get a weekly shop for under less than 100 quid now. Yeah, for um, four of for, yeah. for a family of four, yeah. It's a significant amount. So it was saying the cost of living, so at the time back in earlier in the year, it was saying that it was 5%. But actually if you look at some specifics, so for example, the cheapest pasta in the local supermarket had gone from 29p to 70 so it's 141 percent increase wow here one of the big four so yeah Yeah, and that's exactly the point so it's like rice has gone from 45 pence to a pound um or for a different size sorry 45 pence for a kilogram to a pound for 500 grams so it's 344 percent baked beans like 22p now 32 What's so like the beans or hmm? a bit of a Tory about me beans? Yeah, no, no. Yeah, I'd rather I, have not. Do you know what? Like, I like Heinz, but for Branston bean. 
Really? Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's a good I'd point. like to know what the increase is there. So the point was the system by which inflation mm. is measured is actually flawed and it's very mm. much based towards not your average household, household purchases. And like I said, the staples, like actually everybody needs to have them. Why this is a problem? So what it's been in the past is a very manual process of looking at supermarkets and what's selling and anecdotal evidence. And so the ONS are actually looking to bring in some tech and make it more digital and actually get a much better representation of an actual typical basket of goods that we can measure inflation more accurately. It does make sense. And now in the metaverse, um, or whatever you might want to call it, the amount of data that's going around, we shouldn't have to make estimates. You shouldn't have to, we should know literally what everybody's buying. Um, I saw an article recently by a guy who said, I went and stayed with my mum for a week and by the time I got home, he said I was getting advertisements for the toothpaste that she used. He went, I've never used that toothpaste, I never searched it, didn't, obviously didn't sit and talk about toothpaste. He said, but how targeted advertising works is it will not only read your own IPs and what you're actually buying and what you're using and all of that kind of things. If you spend a significant amount of time with somebody else in that area with their same data on their same Wi-Fi, it will also read what they're searching for and what they're actually buying. And he said, so by the time I came home, I was getting targeted adverts for this toothpaste. He said that I've obviously never bought or used. Ooh, that explains the weird stuff that comes up when I've been to your house. Funnily enough, (laughs) that because I thought Alexa was um, spying on me because Michael's dad the other day asked me if I'd seen anywhere recently Marmite crisps and I went obviously not I don't know where you think I shop but I haven't seen Marmite crisps for about 20 years and came back home was doing something else went onto Amazon for you know unrelated and an advert for Marmite crisps and I was like oh no Alexa's like spying on me I don't know because I don't have Alexa but they do next door but it's not that it's obviously I was on their wi-fi and it's picked up that he's obviously searched somewhere for Marmite crisps so it's targeted advertising me on a box of Marmite crisps I don't know what I was going to do with a box of them (laughs) box of Marmite crisps but yeah it's interesting so I think if we've got all of that data available to the point where we can use it for targeted advertising we should also then be able to use it to, you know, have actual statistical information about what people are buying. If the ONS start using that data, um, it's a good example of using fintech to actually be a lot more accurate. And it makes you realise just how manual stuff has been mm-hmm. in the past. When, yeah. you know, it's the kind of thing, somebody says inflation's 3% or 5% or 100% and you mm-hmm. just go, well, yeah, it must be because that's what they've said. But actually, what's in the basket of goods, I guess, then is maybe not representative. Um, so what kind of stuff is in the basket of goods? Are we playing that game? Look at it. Well, do you know what? <laughs> I do have a little quid game for you. Oh, yeah. It's been a while as a kid. It's a bit of a quid game. Quid games. What was the last one? You, I don't know, but you were £16. <laughs> no, I don't feel like I've won one yet. Yeah, like I, <laughs> but, you know, I'm the host of this one, so therefore I win. <laughs> oh, is that how it works? By default. So 14th of March, they updated the basket of goods. They added in 19 items and they took out 15 items. What I'm going to do is go through a few of them and get you to choose what you think was added in. I'll give you a couple of options. However, I then want to read some of the explanations and we can see just how technologically advanced it is Mm -hmm. right now. Hint, it's not. Let's start with stuff that's been added in. 
Do you think added in has been meat-free sausages or gluten-free pasta? Oh, gluten-free pasta. No. Really? <laughs> yeah, but also, we're winning. So the thing with meat-free sausages, um, it's just really generic and the footnotes in about it. It's um, growth in vegetarianism and veganism is widely covered by the press and is driven by younger generations as a grown result of social responsibility. So there's no data, there's a like press and anecdotal evidence that people are more interested in um, vegetarianism. There is a vegan show on um, Netflix right now. Yeah. Do you think added into the basket of goods was sports bras or Fitbits? Oh, I'm going to say sports bras. They're all just going to be really old references, aren't they? Yeah, and why I smiled at it, because it's sports bra slash crop top, and I just think, oh, no, you don't know. They're two very different things. Because yeah, the kids yeah. are all, like, they bring it back to 90s, aren't they? And it's all all Saints, and they wear the crop yeah. tops, and like, the cargo pads are the same, but it's not the same as a sports bra. Yeah, I wouldn't like to think I was running my one. And interestingly, in case you didn't know, this item is distinct to the existing lingerie bra, because, you know, <laughs> very different things, apparently. Oh, right, yeah, thanks. Good, isn't it? Honestly, I don't know. They're oh, not I just see what kind of people work there. <laughs> right, do you think added in was face masks or antibacterial surface wipes? Oh, surface wipes. Yeah. And interestingly, um, not just because of the antibac, it's the convenience and ease of use. <laughs> <laughs> ease, ease of use? Ease of use. The ease. <laughs> Ironically, not an easy sentence to say. <laughs> right, this one's a weird one. Do you think added in was bin liners for kitchen use or bin liners for wheelie bin use? <laughs> I know, I know. Wasn't you there was a difference? Um, do you have a, a bin liner in your wheelie bin? Well, do you? Nah. I honestly didn't think I knew wheelie bin liners was a thing. Right, neither did I, and that's the point. <laughs> so they've taken out wheelie bin liners, which was apparently a thing, and they've replaced them with the new modern them. kitchen bin liners. <laughs> oh, honestly, got a kitchen bin liner. You did start getting rid of your bin. Oh, I don't didn't have you? a bin. Yeah, don't no. have a bin at all. No, I use um. Got your bags. So I go at the shop and I think, oh no, I'm... DMP, money-saving tips. <laughs> so I'll go to... Oh gosh, I'm so scruffy. Like, I have my um, bags for life that I'll use um, if I do my big grocery shop, but if I just pop up to the local Sainsbury's, I'll get a bag there for £10 and I'll use that as a bin and put it in the in the big bin outside. Um, I don't want to have a bin in my kitchen. Like, once a day, I'll chuck out the little bin. So I'm just putting which ones you got right. Oh, didn't do that one yet. Um, it's, um, it is a very weird um, concept. And sometimes I do just make people go outside and put it straight outside. But Honestly, it's great crack. Great. Talk to me about your bins and your bags some more. However, the point of this was, mm -hmm. this is why I said they're clearly not using the technology yet. So bin liners for kitchen use replaces black refuse sacks. Using shelf space as a proxy confirms the anecdotal evidence that the black bin refuse sack, often used as a wheelie bin liner, has been surpassed by the kitchen bin liner. Why did you not know that they were already using kitchen bin liners? Nobody mm -hmm. uses a wheelie bin liner. That is mental. That I know of. That is absolutely um, mental. Although we <gasps> what do... What if there is? What if there's like this well, whole world and we don't know? There might be and that might not be it. <laughs> there's probably other gaps in our knowledge. <laughs> Let's talk about the stuff taken out. So, oh, judging by this, it's going to be what? Laudanum? Arsenic coming out? Double beds or single beds? Oh, single beds. Nobody's buying. Even the, my nieces and nephews don't have single beds now. They all have double beds. Both. Took them both out and replaced them with king size. Oh. I know. I just have a double bed. It's awful. Could do a king size. <laughs> double and single beds are being combined into one new, all-encompassing bed item. <laughs> This well, enables, so it hasn't been taken out really, has it? This enables the collection of bed. prices for king size beds reflecting a moving consumer preference from double to king size. 
Um, women's suits or men's suits? Oh, women's suits. Women don't wear suits now. Men's suits? What? Um, yeah, women's suits didn't exist. <laughs> oh, fair enough. And it was this whole, like, obviously, coronavirus, people working from home, loss of department stores. Um, but it did make me smile. A new men's formal jacket slash blazer item is, is being introduced to ensure men's formal business wear is still represented. Oh, for God's sake. What a load of baloney. I've never no. heard anything like it in my life. Oh, baloney's a good word, though. Being replaced by chorizo. <laughs> Said with like a really fake <laughs> Spanish accent. Um, Which was taken out. Erotic literature oh, or dictionaries? No. Oh, don't. I hope it's erotic literature. Put it in the bin. Dictionaries. No. Oh, no. All reference books, e.g. atlases and dictionaries. No. So the rise of the Tinterweb. No. Some physical reference books remain, such as cookery and travel books. They're in their hardback and non-fiction item. But reference books have gone. F. F in the dictionary. That's really upset me, that. Yeah, you're a dirty Kindle user, so... Um, I also buy physical books. When did you last buy a dictionary? Um, I've got the same one I had at school. Yeah, yeah it doesn't change much, does it? It doesn't change much. I mean, it doesn't It doesn't have new words in, like, um, sex and um, Which one's come out? Kindling or coal? Kindling. No, coal. Because <laughs> um, coal's banned from next year. What? Yeah. What, even the smokeless one? Sales no. of domestic coal will be banned in 2023 as part of the government's actions to combat climate change. Oh, what will I do with my frickin' log, log burner? <laughs> no, but Kindling. I burn coal. <laughs> I burn coal on it because it works better. Do you know how much it costs to burn logs? Logs are very expensive. Oh, well. Um, so I'm just adding up all the scores and uh, here's our one. <laughs> what? <laughs> you have to use a calculator for that. So, tech is typically seen as like cool and exciting and you know, like Google, let's go and work at Google with the curly whirly slides and ball pills or whatever they have. <laughs> is that just the soft play? <laughs> potentially just Google software that you're talking about. And then finance you think of as a career as like, oh, it's boring, it's middle-aged men in suits. So the sounds of fintech, when the two worlds collide, mm -hmm. if you were a developer and you were coming out of college and you were like, would you be looking at the Googles and going to see like the curly whirly slides or would you be thinking about like, oh, well, I'll go into finance where I can go like be disruptive and actually make some changes well, and stop on, people yeah, getting done it off. It will depend on, you know, kind of what career you want and what kind of thing that you're looking for. But I, I think there's been a big leap, I think, in finance and in financial technology that has made it be an exciting career for somebody in tech thinking, I can get in almost at the beginning. Exactly, I can yeah. get in and make a big change here because if that was me looking at it as a developer, I'd just go, this is still relatively grey. Let's go and literally inject some colour into this and make a real big difference. Whereas, you know, you Google, it's exciting and things, but they're already really colourful exactly, and they're yeah. already wherever they and need I think to be. that's exactly the case with like, all the different careers in finance. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're going into an industry that is ready for disruption and has the potential, like, if you come in to do marketing in it, <laughs> like, yeah, you could go and work somewhere super creative, but it's already full of colour. Mm -hmm. Or you could bring marketing and, like, what a challenge and what an opportunity to have a massive impact on something that really desperately needs it. So, well, Verve's gone through a bit of an evolution anyway, isn't it? So we're well known for being a service-led company. We provide services to financial planners around the country. We use some technology to support it, um, but predominantly we're a service company. Hmm. Um, but we're actually moving into more of the fintech space. Um, so Verve will want to be a tech company in finance in the mm. future as opposed to a finance company that uses tech. Mm. What's been the big shift for you? Um, I think 
and I think the way we'll use it in Verb, and it applies to all fintech, is the point of it is that you make what we do more accessible, so you make it easier for people to get involved. So from Verb's perspective, it's easier for them to work with us, it's easier for us to reach more people, for us to scale and support more businesses. Using tech just helps you kind of get that range that you, you can't get if it's all mm -hmm. kind of human-led. I think that's what we'll do with Verve. Not that your answer wasn't, you know, great and insightful and amazing, and thank you very much for it. Um, we actually do have an expert on site, mm -hmm. um, don't we? Peter Calvert, who joined us here at Verve as our CTO, Chief Technology Officer. Um, maybe we could get him in. Have a bit that's of a great idea, let's do it. So, welcome, Peter Colvert, uh, fintech guru we've got here. Is that how you describe yourself? I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> so do you want to just introduce yourself? So I'm the Chief Tech Officer here at Verve, responsible for leading all of the tech that we develop, be that through the internal systems, looking at the security of the business itself. Um, we were talking a little bit about those people who kind of look at Google and think everyone's on scooters and have got curly-whirly slides. What do you think is the attraction of fintech compared to some of these bigger, more established companies? Well, first, I've been to Google and they really do have the curly-whirly slides and they have, they have got the scooters. It was grand. Um, the people who get started there are called Nooglers. Noogle. Oh, I like that. In terms of why people choose sort of fintech, we've already seen people want to know more about their money already and people want to know where their money goes. Um, we see more people downloading investment apps or things like Chip where it can put little bits of money aside for you and Plum. Um, people want to make their money go further and I think in the pandemic more so people want to do that. They were very much aware of how much they were earning and how much they can save when we couldn't physically buy anything. And that's why we've seen things like open banking's being such a big player, um, letting banks access other bank account info and keeping it all in one place. And it's just making money more accessible. It's easy to see what you're doing with it. I was going to ask if you've come across any good fintech apps, but you mentioned two there, but I'd not heard of either of them, Chip and Plum. So <laughs> Sounds like yeah. the next podcast. Chip and Plum. Um, but yeah, have you seen any of the like, really good ones? There's so many sort of finance apps popping up now. You've got ones like Plum that'll take a couple of pounds from your bank account and automatically help you invest it. Right. Um, you can choose whether you do like ESG investing and things like that. Yeah. Um, there's obviously the rise of the challenger banks like Monzo and Stalin. Um, there's GoCardless, which is all purely online tech for banking. There's not sort of one single app which is dominating the market either. We're seeing tech and finance come into every area. Yeah. Do you think it's going to help more people feel like kind of dip the toes into the world of investing and 100%. just thinking about the finance more? Yeah, because it's so easy to do as well, which is it's a blessing and a curse. It's so easy to get involved. The issue with things being an app is it, it sort of becomes gamified um yeah. if you look at apps like free trade or Robinhood, where you can set up an isa within five minutes you don't fully read the terms and conditions realizing that you can only open that isa for the year and how much you can invest into it and then it's so easy to just pump your money in put it into some stocks and watch a chart go up and down and refresh it every five minutes and forget it's sort of real money so it's so easy for people to get involved and i do hope that people are aware of what they're doing but it's also really easy to sort of lose sight of it's, it's your money and you really are gambling with it yeah, it's a good point, because actually we talk about gamification a lot as a positive thing, because you want people to interact with the tech that you've built, whatever it is. But actually, that's the flip side of gamification being potentially dangerous, because it, it yeah, means that you're playing it like a game and it stops you kind of 100%. understanding what you're doing. Did you know this? You can now spread the cost of your groceries. Which what is really dangerous. Isn't it? So dangerous, because people don't know how much of money they've actually got anymore. Yeah. Um, and especially when it, it looks more manageable, I can pay 700 quid out every month to Klarna. Mm -hmm. 
or any other like clear pay as well, but you don't actually know how much you've got in the bank. Or even what you're paying for anymore. Exactly. It gets three months down the line, you can't even remember what you've bought. Yeah, they're just all these random amounts going yeah. up. It's, it's more like an over, it's an easily accessible overdraft, to be honest. We're starting to see mm. banks do it again. Monzo launched their buy now, pay later through Flex a couple of months yeah. ago. It was exactly the same principle. Mm. Interest free for three months, but if you want to extend it over six or 12, it's essentially a loan with an interest rate. Yeah. When, when was the last time you used your bank card and you didn't use sort of Apple Pay or something like that as well? Oh, honestly, I haven't seen my bank card for months. Yeah, I can exactly. tell you where mine is. Yeah, no, I use Apple Pay for everything. Which is even more dangerous because you don't see the balance, you don't think to check it. No. And if you turn off the notifications on your phone because ignorance is bliss like I do, oh, yeah, mine's you don't off. even know how much you've spent until you, you check your bank the day after. We were talking about the balance of using tech to empower what we do in financial services and bearing in mind that we're in the regulated world and um, but that people still appreciate kind of the human element to it and actually being able to speak to somebody but again joe and i are from a different generation where you're the oldie in comparison we are yeah we're old yeah. how old are you calvert 25 jesus christ literally a different generation i've got shoes older than that <laughs> As somebody coming more from existing tech rather than existing finance and somebody coming from 15-ish years junior to us, um, what do you think well, about think that? If, if you look at the generation that I'm in, from that perspective, you look, it's technology first and human second. It's always the case of I'd rather send a message than give someone a call, whereas traditionally it was always mm. vice versa. I'd always, the first part of call was always to, to give somebody a ring. So I think as much as a lot of people hate to hear it, financial advice in particular, it's lagging behind, but it's getting there and it's going to be technology led and human supplemented where we, we're just going through that transition phase now where we're coming technology supplemented. Um, we're seeing more sort of platforms and, and supplemental tools pop up that'll help us do our job. And they're never going to fully take over. The whole basis of tech in itself is to eliminate the jobs you don't want to do. It should never take away the jobs that you do enjoy doing, whether that's for an extrovert being working on client comms and being able to speak to people and doing all of the doing all of the glory. Tech is there to take up the legwork and help out. Um, it's similar to think of tech as a bit like an outsourced service. It'll do the areas of the job that you don't want to do or don't have time to do. Um, but I think from a from a consumer point of view, they're going to look towards the technology first, which is why we see more platforms pop up. We see more advisors had platforms letting clients log in and manage their own information it's not just because of gdpr and the fact that you need to it's the fact that people want to yeah um and it comes back to people want to see where their money goes and they want to know that the best possible advice now is technology-led um whether it's looking at morningstar ratings and being able to see how decisions are made how scores are calculated on funds we know it's technology driven it's not just someone reading a reading a newspaper and putting together their own thoughts and assumptions on it anymore so they would assume that their advisors got access to all of the best tech and it's just them actually delivering the decision they're not doing all of the legwork behind it Wait, it just made me smile because like it's not even that long ago is it i remember when where joe and i used to work before Verve, the advisor would get the paper and it had all of the funds and it had the performance of those funds and he would just go through with a ruler and a pen yeah yeah like literally with a ruler and a pen and pick the funds that had performed best and then that's what would be recommended and like that's not even that long ago so i think like like you say people want to know that it's getting done properly they don't need like all the manual pen and ruler behind the scenes it's really similar to what we've seen in sort of if you look at like online sports betting and gambling 20 years ago no one could imagine anything other than walking into a bookies and looking at a chalkboard where someone's put the latest odds on Mm. and you know that there's someone who works there who calculated the odds or someone at head office who's put them together fast forward sort of 15 and 20 years i don't think i've ever set foot in a bookies yeah yeah. um it's always been online i know that there's so much competition for the best odds there's so many offers again it's gamified 
Um, and it's becoming more and more heavily regulated because we're seeing such an increase in it. And again, the regulations came on the back of user action. Which is interesting. It's, like, it's almost a reverse of finance, isn't it? Because you say, like it's gamified massively in gambling and that is the problem. And it's, they've been called out a lot for it. And obviously the problems that it creates in people and addictions and all the rest of it. So they're bringing in the regulation now. Whereas with finance, there's still the same inherent risk. It's still your money. And it's, you know, for some people, it's your livelihoods. But we'll kind of come from the other angle of regulation first. I think it's still a really similar pattern because even back then, sort of being a being a registered bookie would always be regulated. Mm. Um, and people needed to go to acquire a service, much like people needed to go to a financial advisor. You needed to go to a premise or schedule a call. Whereas now people can go online and do it. And it's because of that such a huge increase in how accessible it is and how easy it is to do. There's more and more regulation. Um, we're seeing some countries ban sports betting sponsors and things like that right. because there's been so much of an increase because tech is an enabler right. and it makes it accessible um so uh, from that perspective i think financial services is actually following gambling and that regulation will follow based on usage rather than it being regulation led anymore what do you think will be the next big leap in um fintech oh, it's a difficult one verve after verve obviously. obviously not verve i think it will be a single platform sort of the next step for open banking would probably be you can have a single platform somewhere access to all of your bank accounts access to your mortgage for example see your ice is worth help you sort of project what your ice is going to be worth in 10 years time i can't think of the security risks that are involved in that because that really (laughs) is something like black mirror where your entire life is online yeah um but i think that probably is the next step of doing it securely Um, i love a bit of black mirror and before that, we'll just get rid of passwords on every platform. What would you say to people about joining the finance world? How would you get somebody who's fresh out of uni to come to, into finance? What would you say? What would be your sales pitch for finance? It would be look at an industry that really is so far behind. And there's two ways you can look at that. It's oh, why do I why do I want to join a, a flogging horse? Or what do you want to be the person who <laughs> is that? I don't think that's the term. No, it's either. not. Well, don't flog a dead horse. <laughs> Would you join an industry that is so far behind or would you join an industry that is ripe for change? Um, And there's so much going on, whether you look at the fintechs in the northeast, you can also work for somewhere that's close to home and actively looking to to change an industry. Um, It's certainly what drew me to Verve. I mean, I only live 25 minutes away. Could have looked at jobs that were in cities, could have have even looked at jobs that were on the continent. Um, Places like Madrid have some of the biggest tech clusters that there are, but the thought of working somewhere local that makes a difference, actively wants to change an industry, is still what draws a lot of people to it. And has the best named events. It does. Cue the control alt mate. <laughs> it's a great name. So it would be control alt delete like, for people who don't know, but we're having a meet up. Who doesn't know control alt delete? You use control alt delete for anymore. It didn't used to be to lock your screen. Just use you, it. Yeah, it used yeah, to be. No, to lock you, your, it brings up your like, like your yeah, everything, manager. wasn't it? Your task manager. Yeah, yeah you need to force cut anything that was control alt delete. Mm. Was. We use Macs these days. I know. Yeah, true. Yeah, we're too cool. We use Control Command Spacebar for uh, emojis. (laughs) It doesn't work quite as well. Yeah, no. Or, you know, just Command Spacebar for search. One of my favourites. Do you know there's like a little globe in the bottom of your Mac keyboard? No, we haven't all got the globe. Have you not got the globe? No, I haven't got the globe. I have to do Control Command Spacebar. I know. (laughs) Times are tough. Uh, Aren't they? Now that you're in finance, do all of your friends think you've got all your financial... Um... Oh, yes, he's the wrong person to ask this question oh, to. Because you know what I always remember? was you saying how rigorously you um, manage your credit score. I do rigorously manage my credit score. I've always been like that. It was one of the things that always... I've always been one of those people who's interested in finance. And I know that young people are sort of the first two words up to open banking because I was and so was my friendship group. We were all really keen. Not, not to the point where, oh my God, have you seen your credit score lately? 
Um, but we were all... went up 20 points. <laughs> but we saw it a couple of years ago in the, in the housing market, especially in the northeast, where people younger than ever were getting approved for mortgages bigger than ever. So everyone did become really conscious of their credit scores and where their money was going. But in terms of, so obviously you've asked me about where I think that tech and finance go. For, for people who've been in finance 15 plus years, where do you think it's going? I do think you're right. I think it will be more about consolidation because the biggest problem I see in finance at the minute is there's lots of little ideas. There's lots of things popping up. You know, you can have your shares over here. You can have your bank over here. You can look at your ISA over here, but there's not much that consolidates everything. Um, so I'd like to think that there will be something that is much more accessible. What about you, Kathleen? I think... What's nice to see and stuff that's coming up that is, if not gamification, more user-friendly and getting people thinking about it, talking about it. Like, like see credit scores and stuff. Like, even when I was younger, that only became an issue when I tried to get a mortgage. Then I had to write off to Experian and, like, wait for it to come in the post and then realise there was loads of stuff wrong with it. It took months to get it all updated and stuff. So I think... It's nice that people have got more control on it. Well, on that, high street banks are already closing their branches to move mm. online. And we're even seeing ones like Virgin Money, who've bought half of Clydesdale. Um, they're moving all of their services online as well. Mm. But is there an element of will it go full circle, like your CDs, where people like kind of want to bring mm. that? Because for me, the whole thing with finance is it is an emotive subject. People don't talk about it and they're not educated about it in school. So... You can dip into stuff online, but there'll come a point, like you're saying with your mortgage, I can go and do my research and I can get information. We've all got information out of fingertips. How will I know I'm making the right decision? There comes a point where you go, well, I want to talk to somebody now. And 100%. There's still a huge number of people that are of the age where they want to talk to those people face to face. A lot of it's really sort of subjective and very opinionated as well. Like, when is the right time to get a credit card was always one that I used to wonder. Um, yeah, yeah. It was one of, the, one of my parents always told me the right time to get it was as soon as you bought a car and put the fuel on it, pay it off every month. And then one told me never get a credit card, always mm. avoid the debt, but you don't build a credit rating unless you take credit. What do you reckon your credit score is? Oh, very poor indeed, probably. I'm a terrible spender. Why? Wondered. <laughs> competitive. Oh, she's competitive, isn't she? Not competing against him, either. Yeah. <laughs> not if he's been doing it since he was 20. Pissed yeah. me off when the, what is it, the max score was something like 799. I was like, why? Why yeah. 799? I'll tell you why I'm an I don't mind. It went all the way up and then it dropped back down, but I had no reason for understanding why it dropped back down. And they're different on each one, aren't they? Oh, so my credit score from TransUnion is scored out of 710. Oh, well, that's just, just silly. Just random, isn't it? Yeah, but I think ClearScore changed their metric. From, they were, weren't they Equifax? <gasps> oh, have you got a ClearScore one? I do. Oh, this is exciting. It says um, it's out of 1,000 now on ClearScore. It's just said it's a new measure. Let's have a leave. <laughs> I don't know if this is a competition I want to get into. Really no. so These two are more than me. You can um, can you? Well, I'm soaring high, apparently. I'm soaring high. How high are you sorry? Oh. Starts with a seven. Oh, you sucker! Seven, three, two. Nine, seven, eight. Oh, you're so competitive. Oh my god, honestly, I won that credit scoring. <laughs> yeah, man, just took a huge hit because I just took out a new PCP. They've crucified me for it. Oh, shame. Basically, here, PCP, you'll be getting a new one this year, won't you? Yeah, but. I haven't got one right now, and I'm winning. So thanks for coming on the podcast. <laughs> there you go, I made people check their credit score. Speaking of people who want to get into fintech, we've got some roles available, haven't we, here at the Verve Group? We do indeed. We've got Here we go. We've got PHP developer roles across all levels, if you're junior, mid, or senior, looking to make a step up. And um, when's our event? And we've got Control Alt Meet on the 12th of May, 6pm till 8pm at the Verve HQ. And will there be beverages? There will be beverages, and pizza. <gasps> pizza and beer? Peter and beer. Oof. It's the first time that finance and tech are really being brought together, particularly in Darlington. We've seen all the good news, things like around the Treasury coming to the area. There's a lot more tech growth going on, ourselves included. 
So we want to just bring people together, be it sort of local business owners in the sectors, wanting to learn a little bit more about tech if they're in finance. Equally, recent graduates looking for their first role. We've got the likes of Haystack and Pardo Ray here to help with finding employers, careers, advice. There's, there's the roles that we've got here that we can speak about as well. There's no hard sell, but it's just find out a little bit more about the two industries and how they work together. You want to come along now, don't you? So now we're going to talk a little bit about being aged 30 to 35. Um, so Calvert um, alluded earlier that obviously him and his friend group were really switched on at the age of 20. <laughs> yeah, finance friends. <laughs> at the age of 20 to 25, obviously buying houses and checking credit scores and things. But typically I would say people don't generally start to think about it in the majority until they're in their 30s. Again, if you're in your 30s and you haven't yet thought about it, it's not a problem. I'm not sure where I was exactly there in my 30s. 30 to 35, when I was thinking about this age group, I was thinking about us two and thinking it was very much a rebirth period for both of us. Oh, it was, um, yeah. I'd lost my mum and went through a bit of a cheeky <laughs> crisis. <Turmoil. laughs> a bit of turmoil, a bit of a weird, very much had a specific thought of life's too short. Um, I'm going to go out and live day by day, like the year of experiences, but much more <laughs> tumultuous. Much more intense. <laughs> quite, quite the intense couple of years. Um, and you went through um, a period of, if you don't mind me saying... Turmoil. <laughs> Turmoil. Got divorced, um, packed up, moved yeah, to London. Exactly. <laughs> um, so it was very much... And I think it's an interesting concept. You know, people talk about gap years and things. You almost don't appreciate them when you're in your early 20s. If you're in your 30s and you go through a rebirth, nobody's calling it a midlife crisis, Joe. It's certainly a good time to start rethinking about what you want in life and actually thinking about the future and... You're still very, very young. You don't yeah, think it when exactly. you're 30, Yeah, do you? no, you don't think it, do you? That's you think it. you've got to get married and you've got to have kids and your time's ticking and it's getting there. But looking back, obviously, from our hefty ages <laughs> now, um, it's all relatively young. And I think like it's a concept you and I talk about a lot in various different aspects that nothing is linear that people expect to live a very linear life and like if we're having like, little mini rebirths and I think we've talked before about not over worrying about the financial decisions you make and partly because nobody makes them all right and it's all learning but partly because your life isn't linear so you can't sit or you shouldn't sit and think I'm 18, 19, 20, this is the life I'm going to live therefore I'll buy this house, I'll have a 35 year mortgage term I'll do this with my eyes or I'll do this because like, you just don't know. You don't know what's on the corner. And actually, in the way that your life stops and starts, your finances will fluctuate to reflect them. When we talk about things not being linear, it's because generally life will throw things at you that you could never expect. And there's very much a lot of two steps forward, one step back, um, three steps one forward, to the left. five, <laughs> one to the left. Shuffle over to the right. Now we're doing slut the cha-cha drop. slide. <laughs> <laughs> Cheeky slut little slut drop of 36. Um, you just don't know um, what will happen. And it's nice to have a broad plan and think, this point I may retire, I should be saving something. It's what we've always said here. It's not about Get making your big, grandiose plans. It's little and often. Certainly don't be thinking about... Um, you know, having to have everything in order by the age of 30. Yeah. Because there's still plenty of time to be even reborn. I don't think so. My 30 to 35, so 30 was when I separated from my husband, moved down south, was renting. I was doing flat shares in London, mm -hmm. which is like the thing that people do in the 20s when you just rent a room. We did it in my early 30s. Then got into a relationship, rented a property, then moved back up north into Yorkshire, then bought a house got pregnant, then moved back up north, further into Darlington, 
over in those five years. Mm-hmm. So, you know. <laughs> and then the months, back so end of it got remarried again. Yeah. That five-year period. Yeah, so actually, and had a stroke. Well, that's interesting what you say about the flat chair, because actually what you just said there is you almost felt like you were 10 years later. So did you feel that pressure? Did you think, oh, actually, I'm too old for this game? Or how did you feel compared to... I did to- a bit. I think the first flat chair was um, four other females, and they were all a good, maybe like five years younger than me, like maybe mid-twenties. So for them, it's completely normal, like just that you only have your bedroom and then your other areas are communal and they'd already like built up this friendship. And then for me, like I remember standing in the kitchen and just being like, how is not all of this space mine? Because, you know, like even my flat and before that I'd had a house, was used to living in my own space. Even before that, when I rented, as soon as I moved out of my mum's house, living in the north, you didn't rent a room. <laughs> it wasn't a thing up here. You rented a house. So I found it jarring to not have the entire space to myself. Yeah, because you didn't live away for uni either, exactly. which a lot of people yeah. do. Yeah, so I'd never done it. I'd gone from like living at home to just having my own space. And like there was a point where um, I'd got divorced. Um, I'd separated from my husband. And I remember like, you know, they'd all had the moments where they'd go, oh, I've had this date and that didn't work out very well. And like, you know, your typical mid-twenties crack. Um, and I sat there crying about like, oh, I'm getting divorced. <laughs> it was so completely different. And then I did another share after that, where it was just me and an Italian guy. He was same age as me, I think, at that time. So it was a bit more, I guess, reasonable in terms of how you interacted and what you're used to. And there wasn't loads of people and there wasn't a big age gap. But it was still the same concept of this is somebody else's kitchen and where do you put your cups? And very much feeling like, oh, I'm in my 30s. Like, how am I only doing this now? This is, you know, such a, um, not where I thought I was going to be at that point. But then, you know, a few years later and it's completely flipped around again and now I've got my own house and my little boy and all the space for all my cups. Yeah. <laughs> to the point where, you know, you've almost got too much space for too cups. Too much space, yeah. Yeah, just have to buy more cups. <laughs> I need a lot of cups. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, I think the whole non-linear life, tying it in with your finances, it comes down to you need your basics, you always need your foundations in place, you're always going to need an emergency fund because you don't know what's around the corner, you need some cash there, but it's building in flexibility so kind of not being too so still doing the sensible things still doing the stuff that we've talked about and putting some money away for a rainy day but actually knowing you might need to access it so kind of factoring that into where you invest taking out a mortgage and I think we've talked before about with your mortgage term especially if you're young if your life goes in a very straight path that's great you can overpay on it and you've got that kind of ability to still follow that path but if it doesn't and you need a bit of flex and you need a lower repayment You've got it over the length. And I just think you need to kind of try and get your absolute foundations in place, but build in flex or know that there's a good chance that there's going to be a curveball or five thrown your way. Yeah, it's very much about balance, I think, as like with anything in life. Knowing that you're going to go out and get drunk on bank holiday Sunday, but you've been for a run on the morning, it's almost like you've banked it. Because when you're in your 20s, you're just getting drunk. When mm. you're in your 40s, probably just your running. metabolism is higher. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Um, but it's that. It's that balance of you can almost have what you need. Um but as long as you've got that base and you've got that kind of balance of some sensibilities. I was talking to my brother about it yesterday and he was saying, oh, you know, sometimes I just get a bit carried away and I just want to spend like all my money and live my life at the moment. And you do need to, because there's no point squirrelling everything away and then get hit by a bus tomorrow. There's also no point spending everything and then not get hit by a bus. And, you know, you're an OAP and... Can't get a real life mortgage. Can't get a real life mortgage or have no heating or whatever. And that's just the same in like all of your life, isn't it? It's like... 
you enjoy a glass of wine, for example, there's no point not having it and not enjoying the fun side of life, but then also not having so much of it that it puts you in an early grave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all about moderation. It is all about moderation. It's almost like you've cracked the meaning of life there. <laughs> and, you know, with wine. And with, oh, always. Um, so I'd like to think at that age, if, you know, we'll wave a magic wand and assume everybody's financially... Um, has more attitude than us. At 30 to 35, we'd like to think, you know, you may be thinking about family, you've already purchased your property, you've maybe gone through a remortgage, you've seen that you're starting to get a gap between what your house is worth and what you want it, which is always nice to see some equity. Um, so you're feeling quite stable, you're in a job that you may not be the end job that you want to live with forever, but you know, you're starting to make moves into your career. You've got a pension because it's linked yeah. to your job, which is always great. That's ticking away in the background. Probably no idea what your pension it is, but you just know it's a thing and it's a... It's a thing and you're paying for it and it comes off your wage and you don't know how it's different to NI, but, you know, it comes off. It, it's fine. You may start to have a little bit of surplus income. So what you're starting to think is, you know, I'm going to start putting a bit away because I want to have a baby soon. I have to have a year off. And so, you know, I want to save some cash and start maybe using this opportunity to think have got some surplus income, I do want to do stuff in the short term, I want to do stuff in the medium term, want to buy a bigger house because we're having a kid, want to do stuff in the long term, don't want to work forever. It's now's the time that you start to think about it. Isn't it? Saving, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's the time where you start thinking, oh, you know, I've done all of my clubbing in my 20s and um, had all of that time. Now we're sat in front of the TV, you know, I'm married and got a bit of spare time I've got a bit of spare money, so what do I do with both well, of those? Well, and do you know what I think you do at that age as well? You start to think about nicer holidays. So it's oh, the stuff yeah. that you do, like actually, uh, no, I don't want to go to Falaraki, yeah, I don't want to go to Magalong. <laughs> I might want to save up and actually just go and have a really nice, you know, before the kids come along and ruin everything. Exactly, people do start thinking that as well, don't they? Yeah, you're not going to take your kids to the Maldives or something, or on a big long flight to Mexico or whatever, you know, keep them for the <laughs> estimate. <laughs> I just feel like we did that era so wrong, like... When you look at it in that yeah, as yeah. like almost the average, if you're looking at average, um, oh yeah, I mean people that's why I'm saying that people have better aptitude towards this is what people. you should do. They're literally going, all right, I'm in this age range where yeah, I've not gone out clubbing, I'm earning decent money because I've been working for a while, and um, I've got a house, but the kids haven't come along yet. Like I've actually got the chance to just enjoy some fine things in life, but you know we were just fooling around, moving into flat shares and having you carrying yeah, <laughs> carrying me out of clubs at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, that was a good era. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was, wasn't it? You did carry out. We've just done all of our lives and finances backwards. Yeah, we? but we're not linear. Some people we're are not. linear. We're, we're not. We're going backwards, yeah. We're, we're like Benjamin Button with the Benjamin Button of finance. I tried to just do linear backwards. But, you know, sometimes it isn't like you said earlier. Um, you know, 35, everything was quite up in the air and it was quite chaotic and you almost needed that to then only a mere four years later to be... In a really, really good position. It's almost like you had to get out of your system. And like I had to get out of my system. So actually get out of your system. <laughs> this, is the, this does not constitute life advice. I'm not a life planner. Get out of your system. And your then life you can performance for, can go do down as well as all. Honestly, it's true with that. Well, that wraps up another episode of That Mint Podcast, or Finance and Tech. Thank you very much to co-host Connie Harrison. Oh, you are <laughs> welcome. Peter <laughs> Calvert from that Verve Group. <laughs> Verve Group, which are having a meeting on the 12th of May, Control Alt Meet, if you didn't catch that amazing name. Um, you can sign up at the website, um, which is www.weareverve.co.uk. Um, 
thank you to everybody who's participated in today's um, episode including the producers and guys from second draft thanks guys as always can't do anything about it i mean <laughs> can't do anything without you is what i meant um and please if you enjoyed this episode um do not forget to rate review and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts thank you So there's all these memes which are all um oh you don't know me i know i'm just gonna paraphrase a meme <laughs> so bad at them. i'm awful at memes they're too modern for me sit around listen to mother i shall read you a meme from my book of gifts right hang on oh lord i know what i mean oh, i hope this is gonna have a point you only know the spider-man one and the girlfriend one that's a gif Oh, you're old. <laughs> no, it can still be mean. It's a gif because it yeah, moves. It's a gif well, but a gif's just an over meme. Anyway, I can't find it. There's a meme which are around the age that other Steve people Jobs. started their careers, and people go, "Oh, you think you need to have your life together when you're in your twenties?" And actually, some of them, oh, you know, like there's famous singers, and they didn't get started until they're in the fifties. And actually, there's this whole. Life isn't any, and you don't need to be sat there planning at your twenties what you're going to do the whole way through. Like actually, you could be forty and decide to start a business and become Richard Branson. What? <laughs> That's just a really long meme. <laughs> it's not I even a meme. Generally, it's generally just a few. <laughs> I know what you mean. Like, oh, it's a top one. <laughs> How would you say that you're over 40 without saying that you're over 40? Do you want us to get your reading glasses, Pear? Hugo Boss, 38. Yeah, Hugo Boss, who got famous for making Nazi uniforms. Oh, yeah, let's follow him. Did he? Yeah, Hugo Boss.